Hey, it's Mark Striegel. I'm here with Joey Haney, and we are bringing you another episode of the Talking Rock podcast, which is part of C&J Radio. Joey, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Way better than since we last talked, and I'm ready to talk some rock. Cool. Yeah, and I am too. I've returned to to concerts. Um, so I, I guess we'll start there. I, I saw two outdoor concerts pretty much back to back. And then I just had just yesterday or two days ago had my next concert, which was ministry at the Wellmont. And they, uh, you don't know the Wellmont. It's a local theater here. Um, And they're vaccinated only because they're in a town that's like, you know, strongly believes in the the vaccination, um, Montclair, New Jersey. And I guess I'd call it a kind of a liberal town. But anyways, it was a vaccinated only show at the Wellmont postponed for the fourth time, originally scheduled for July 2020, then moved to uh, April 2021, then moved to October 2021, (laughs) now March 2022. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's like and we're still hearing of other tours canceling i watch the numbers religiously the covid numbers and i must say every day they're coming down i mean you know there and we are i feel like kind of like i did in june like really optimistic and and hopeful once again about this this whole thing now of course could another variant hit could there be yeah but i mean fingers crossed i heard one doctor expert scientist on a podcast i listened to say this potentially could be the last hurrah and you know within six months you know hopefully we'll be back to something pretty normal yeah now we're in the yeah now we're in the era of you i even saw and i'll use this as an example like i saw that living color dropped off of the tour that they were on they were on a multi-band tour and they left that tour and they said it was for travel issues so we'll, we'll go with that but People I'm are lying, sure. though, because yeah, like oh, I, now Bruce Springsteen's wife, what Patty, what's Scalfa? Yeah. Scalfa, yeah. Now, she was supposed to be a part of this festival I went to and she had dropped off. And this was literally in her backyard. Literally, it was <laughs> Asbury Park, New Jersey. Wow. And she said scheduling issues. And I felt like that was a lie. And it was super weird, too, because the festival, again, everyone was like, oh, the boss will be at this festival making a special appearance. He's friends with Eddie Vedder and all that. He did not show up. And so everyone kind of took that like, okay, his wife dropped out. He didn't show up. He's not approving of this thirty five thousand person festival uh, on the beach. So which I was at. Yeah. And even though it's outdoors, it could be a bad look for him. And it's just one of those things where. You know, people are now doing the artists are now doing a personal preference thing. If it's, you know, some people are just not looking at their bottom line and or they're like, do we have the option to cancel out? Sometimes it's just like battling the venues, you know, because certain artists want to play places where it's completely checked at the door and no BS about it. And some don't care. So we're in that thing now where it's like kind of like artist per artist. It depends on what their opinion and prerogative and beliefs are. So now we've entered this realm. I've noticed that that's probably a reason why a lot of things you can't. Some people come out and out and say they've canceled their tour because of that reason. 
and some are just making shit up. Uh, right. So that, that's just like on the flip side of things, I strongly believe and actually would put freaking a large chunk of money. There are people out there who have come down with COVID on their tours who are saying, oh, yeah, he was vaxxed and he wasn't. Um, yeah. I, I strongly doubt. Sorry, my dogs are fighting in the background. Okay. Doubt that John. I'll just say this here. I strongly doubt Jonathan Davis, a corn was vaccinated. I, I think he said he was. But I, I just he doesn't seem what like it, the, what gave it away. The fact that the entire band's born again now, basically. Yeah. And he's from, you know, he's from that. He's they're from like a real kind of. Uh, <clears throat> redneck type of vibe town, you know, in California. And and he's he's crazy. I like him my, myself, but, he, you know, he believes in ghosts. He believes in a lot of like weird yeah. things. He believes he, he has this doll collection. He believes the dolls all have spirits and souls yeah. inside and of them and he's, yeah. he's obsessed with serial killers he collects serial killer paraphernalia so yeah he's yeah really he doesn't involved. trust the government at all you know so well, I, you know and, and when he first got sick he they didn't come out and say that he was vaccinated i just thought that was weird the frank hannon thing he he i don't buy at all and eddie trunk pretty much backed that up <laughs> that, that, so anyways and now yeah. he's kind of backtracked on it frank hannon he was like well i was vaccinated but i'd only just got the vaccine and oh. and uh, you know i hadn't gotten the second dose or something something to that matter but but i didn't inhale right right yeah exactly yeah so uh, anyways i don't know where i was going with this I, but yeah it's it's so, so convoluted at this point we can't just be simple with it we can't just yeah. be like i got it i didn't get it Right. So oh, I know where I was going. So, yeah, I, I believe that living color transportation issues. That sounds that sounds strange. It's like, but maybe they had for whatever reason. I don't know that it could be a legal reason, but maybe yeah. it is. Who knows? You know, who knows? It's like transportation issues. Our bus driver got COVID. That's a joke. But I just, right. Yeah, no, it could be that. But maybe there maybe their easiest way out of the contract without getting sued after their lawyer looked into it and said, okay, this is what you're going to say. I mean, I had George Lynch tell me in an interview I did with him. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted about the shows I'm doing because, you know, part of me feels like it's not the time to be doing shows, but I don't want to get sued. And anyways, he ended up, you know, a couple of weeks later canceling the remaining shows that he had. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I And what I said to Doc McGee during the interview, I do believe that, too. And that is I think it's time that if, if you want to cancel a tour, you know, if, if ministry doesn't feel like it's the right time or for whatever reason they're canceling, postponing their tour again, that's fine. But I kind of feel like right now and this is just me, but it's, it's, it's time we start opening things back up and it's it's not going to be like. The, the door is immediately wide open. But if bands like Kiss and Guns N' Roses and, you know, Pearl Jam want to do a show or shows, I think, why not? Let's go for it. Let's let's start opening things back up because yeah. this isn't going to be a light switch back on. It's going to be a gradual thing. Yeah. And we we tried as as a people, we tried to be like, hey, guys, get the freaking vaccination. Don't be an asshole. And these venues are going to probably be like, try to check it. But honestly, man, it doesn't even matter. Like, uh, example, since we last talked, I went to see Kesha with my wife uh, over at this, you know, right. 
small, like kind of like sports bar theater hybrid kind of thing. And it was enough to where there was not as many people to where they could check cards at the door and you couldn't be let in without a card and a mask. But that, that shit honestly doesn't matter because inside they're not going to enforce the mask. They just didn't. And also right. you can nurse a beer the whole night and not be wearing your mask. So who fucking cares? Like, okay, if you want to die, you're going to die now. That's, that's where we're at. I mean, we tried to be nice about it. We tried to be like, hey, be smart. But honestly, I think we just need to get into the shaming factor now. I'm big on shaming, honestly. Public shaming, I'm a big fan of. So be like, fuck it. You're an asshole. You're going to die if you don't get it. Uh, there, or you could very well potentially die. The odds are in that favor. That Yeah. So just, yeah. We, it's down to where we're just like, we're smart. You're stupid. Like, if that's, if that's how we have to be about it, then that's what we're going to be. You know, that, that's what I think. Right. Right. Yeah. And in, I will say that the first concert I went to was Megadeth. Uh, it was a very different vibe. It was Megadeth, Lamb of God, a very different vibe than the concert I was at a few days later, the Pearl, the Pearl Jam Festival thing. See here now, it was called. But uh, it, it was it was yeah, it was good to see it. Uh, Megadeth played a very short set, but it was like, you know, gave everyone what they wanted to hear for the most part. And you know, Mustaine gave some rant about they're trying to stop things like this from happening. And, you know, they're but but I, I kind of was like, who's trying to stop it? Yeah. You're playing in New Jersey at an outdoor festival and there's probably 8000 people here. No one's trying to stop it. I don't know. Maybe I guess up in Montreal and Quebec, they did actually can't the government canceled some of the, the shows up there. I'm not because of covid restrictions for Megadeth. Yeah. But no one was trying to stop it here. So I'm yeah. not sure what he was talking about. Yeah, but. let's not keep the wheel rolling. Let's not keep local industries from making a few bucks. I'm sure that's really what happened. Like the struggle yeah. is such a sexy story, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, us against the machine, you know, type of vibe. And then a couple of days later, uh, Eddie Vedder, when he walked on stage, usually I it seems like Eddie gets a bottle of wine about halfway through the set and starts drinking that he walked on stage with the full bottle of wine open. That's how he <laughs> entered the stage. And they, they, they were great, man. I don't know if you're a Pearl jam fan or not, but they, yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. I thought they were, they were okay. awesome. And he, he gave a little disclaimer that they were, you know, when Delta first hit, they, you know, he said when they booked the show, things felt good, you know, but, but then Delta hit and he was really wondering and he, he really, I can't remember his exact words. I'd have to find the YouTube video, but he expressed reservations in being there. And he said, you know, we're here, there's 35,000 people here. And it was bodies. I mean, you, you know, you go to an arena show, what are arena shows? 20, 15,000. Yeah. yeah half that. I mean, this was just the, it was bodies as far as you could see. Um, and it was, it was really amazing spiritual event supposedly vaccinated only we did have to show our id cards to get in our, our covid cards or or a test within the last 48 hours and i will say that i saw a girl come in and she didn't have a vac a, a covid card and they said okay you can't come in and they sent her over to the uh 
the little table where I was standing because I had actually gotten free tickets for it. And she came over and she was like, yeah, they won't let me in. Um, but, you know, I have tickets, but I don't have my vaccine card. They said, are you vaccinated? And she said, yes. They said, OK, well, you go on the New Jersey blah, blah, blah website and you can pull up a record of the shot there and just show us your ID and we'll let you in. And she looked at them. She's like, no, I just want my money back. So obviously she <laughs> I don't think she was vaccinated. And they were like, we can't give you your money back. And she was like stormed off in a in a huff. Um, so I will say that I, I did wit witness that. And so, Good. you know, yeah. But when I went in, you know, you just kind of flashed your card. There was which is better than nothing. And, you know, it's, it's something. And the one thing is it was build is a va you know vaccinated only test only show and still 35,000 people showed up so what i keep I reading online anything. by these bands that are like saying oh you know this is going to hurt ticket sales if you require the vaccine mm -hmm. it did not hurt ticket sales i i, I think it might mean, actually help yeah cuz people are jonesing to go to shows show people are really really itchy right now and have been for the last year and a half also this whole bullshit about blaming your failed show maybe your advanced ticket sales now you can back out this is just all theory for me but i think i might be pretty right about this this is the new blaming 9-11 for your bad album sales right right <laughs> very true and you've seen some shows too what shows have you been to uh, like I said, we did Kesha. I Kesha, did a, yep. By the way, I did a. How many people does she draw? I mean, because she's uh, a pretty big pop star at one point, I guess, yeah. right? Well, it's that whole. I'll do a quick thing on her. It's that whole. If you followed the story that she went through the last few years, where she right. was suing her ex handler because of uh, rape allegations and all. Yeah, who also I think was involved with Lady Gaga, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like they they both have rape allegations against their former handlers. Uh, so, yeah, but I think it's just also just because pop music is so cyclical, but she's been doing this for like 10 plus years. So she can draw a few thousand still at a theater environment, which is cool. And they're rabid, man. Like it was like, like I said, I, I said this on my show, uh, got like Motley Crue vibes, you know, like as far as like this is a fucking party, man. And I had a blast, actually, like her set was great. So and she like kind of 50 50 she like it's it's a party but it's also the introspective stuff is there now still so it's you know it's like when any other person that does pop music goes through a crisis and they kind of implement it into their music but still the other the original idea is also still there because we don't right. want to bump people out so but she handled it really well that being said uh, you could do way worse going to pop music shows than to go see kesha it's, it's a good time does she have a um, band backing her up and stuff like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that's obviously on a tape, but you know, it seemed like they were playing for the most part. You know, this is when you go to shows like this, you kind of do look for, you know, like they're, they're open or just yeah. strictly on a dash. But all these rock bands, man, they, they are milking these backing tracks and oh. stuff. Even Pearl Jam had one song, which Emily and I were quite sure there was some sort of track going behind them with wow. additional vocals. We may be yeah. wrong about that because they did have, it wasn't just the five guys on stage. There were numerous other people enhancing things with you know backing vocals yeah. and keyboards and extra guitars and stuff. So we might be wrong, but we felt like there was one track that had some backing vocals going. Well, one song, I'm sorry. Like I said, I knew all bets were off when I found that Billy Gibbons was using backing tracks. So, right. I mean, like that's, supposed to be the epitome of integrity in my household 
Right. And yep. Now that Dusty's gone and they can insist on continuing, I'm like, wow, he was leaning on him a lot already for vocals, and that, this is going to be bad. So, yeah. Anyway, that's why I'm not going. Uh, so, Kesha did Black Crows, Check Your Moneymaker, play on top to bottom. Cool. Uh, that was a cool show. They did really well. Great stage. Uh, How many people at that, approximately? That was at our shed, and it was probably eight to 10,000, I right. want to say. Makes sense. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I can usually gauge how much how many people are there by how full the lawn is. So it's about eight to ten thousand. Uh, so yeah, not bad. And it was great because we could if we, I was on the lawn. So like you talk about socially distancing outdoors, and it wasn't too hot that night. That was a great show for that all those different reasons. Uh, so yeah, and saw Dirty Honey. Never seen them before. They're they're pretty cool. Not bad. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I liked them live when I saw them. Yeah, I, I have trouble right. getting into the music, the recorded music. It's not bad, but it just doesn't yeah. grab me that much. But live, I thought they were good. Yeah, I'm right on there with you. Uh, but like the the main one, you know, like what I talked about the uh, Green Day show last time. Oh, and by the way, since then, and I mentioned how much I like that show. There's a pro shot. Uh, of a full headline show from a few days ago from some festival where it's like oh, cool. basically the same set list I saw. Right. You can watch on YouTube. Just type in, um, I think it's called Green Day Life is Beautiful Festival or something like that. But a great hour and a half to spend. You can see the Rock and Roll Night cover. Uh, so I saw Guns N' Roses for the first time since 1992 a few weeks ago. Wow. And, and how is that for you? I, I had a blast. I thought it yeah. was really cool. And even Axel sound. All right. He was off on a couple of shows. He early on, it sounded like, Ooh, it's not going to be a good night, but man, even though his voice was not a hundred percent, he was going for it. Like that's the thing that it's really cool to see this Axel. Cause I've seen super angry Axel. I saw him early on in the illusion tour. And then I saw him at the stadium tour with Metallica, which is like I said, the last time I saw him. So I've seen, super angry Axel and I've seen super mellow Zoloft Axel, but this right. is a nice middle ground and yeah. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, the old Axel would not have gone through this show within about three or four songs. He might've called the show, but he stuck with it. They gave him a lot of breaks, but every time he came back, he was really, he was eager to go. He was going for those high notes. Like I was super impressed and I love to see Axel smiling. I love to see him legit enjoying himself and having a good time. That band rules. Your friend Frank is amazing. Yeah. Um, yes, great guy. And I've great never drummer. seen Slash play better. Slash has ascended into like guitar God status now, as far as I'm concerned, because I've always liked Slash. I think Slash has always been appreciated. I think he's almost kind of taken for granted now in the grand scheme of things, but He's definitely one of those guys who's a life. He seems like he's probably just always playing the guitar. I've never seen him play better. And I've rarely seen a better live guitar player than Slash at this point. He is on fire on this tour. Everybody's great on this tour. Go see yeah. it if they come to your town. You know That's who's fun? And, and some people don't like her, but I, I just get such a, she puts a smile on my face. The, the keyboardist, Melissa. Oh, What's her? She Reese? Breeze? Yeah. I don't even know what her name this, is, but this, Melissa something. <laughs> This, like this tiny little, little tiny... woman, she's, she's <laughs> yeah. like a, the spirit of rock and roll flowing through her and watching her headbang the whole show and working all the different keyboards and everything and doing all the backups. She is a lot of fun to watch. Like yeah. you're right on about that. Love right. her. Yeah. And I don't hear people talk about her much, but she, she's definitely a interesting addition. And I, I definitely think she adds some fun, you know, crazy female 
Asian <laughs> yeah. energy to the mix. It's kind of an interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and I, I love Dizzy, but like, obviously they just need him to do that show. But I think because they didn't, maybe they didn't want to have a backup singer on stage, you know? So she's there for like, Hey, I can do backups. Uh, right. She, her, she goes good with Axel's voice, but like I said, kind of like a Yannick Gers thing. I think she's there for the vibe. Yeah. Like, and she actually contributes to a show that is kind of one of those factors that you do need to get you through it. And how was attendance at the Guns N' Roses show? Where was it and how was attendance? Uh, it was at American Airlines Center. That's our big basketball arena where the Mavericks and the Stars play. And uh, as far as I could tell, it was a sellout, uh, especially as far as the traffic goes and everything else. I mean, it was fucking packed. I didn't see a lot of empty seats in there, if any. And uh, it was... It was uh, it felt like an old school show. I mean, it's good. The fact that I was wearing a mask the whole time because nobody else was. That's like I said, that's how I gauge it. And I look around and, you know, you can, I hate to get back into the COVID thing, but you can kind of look around your rows and kind of almost judge the book by its cover at this point. Like, right. Yeah. They're probably not. I'm just going to leave that one up for a while or just kind of half it here and there, you know? Yeah. Um, but otherwise like, man, it was a blast. And, I went with my friend Chris Penn uh, from Good Records, and we had these killer seats. And so I got a—I'm going to shout out to him on the show for getting those kick-ass seats. Yeah. Because I'm a terrible planner, and uh, it was super yeah. fun to go to a show with uh, someone like that. It's the first show I've been with him uh, together. So that was—that was the even when you when you go to a show with a friend, it's kind of like a different level of bonding, you know. And you also get to find out who they are. Like, what kind of show person are they? Like. Yeah, I, I just can't wear the mask during the show. I just, I don't know. It's just me. It's like, I just, I can't. And that's why I did something that I probably, you know, that a lot of people yeah. will judge me. I went and I got a third vaccine. No, you know? I'm, yeah, I'm going to get it. I'm yeah, going to get it as soon as I, I get did down it. Here. I lied. I lied. And, and I went and I got it, you know, and uh, <laughs> I had been over six months since my last dose. And yeah. I knew I was going to go to these concerts. I got a young kid who's not vaccinated. So, so I did it. I mean, I feel like, People are like, the government ain't going to tell me to get a vaccine. I kind of feel like the government ain't going to tell me not to get one. You know, so that's kind of yeah. like where, where yeah. I, I was at. So, yeah. uh, you know, judge me if you want. But yeah. I, I yeah, I, I hate wearing the masks. I just can't no, stand it. It's not that I enjoy it. It's not that I enjoy being yeah. some sort of like. Don't oh, your look glasses look fog up? Uh, depending on the mask. Um, I finally found a few good ones. So yeah, and I found like I found really good ones like these adjustable straps. I don't have it oh, with cool. me right now, but it's uh my wife bought it for me. It's got like a Twilight Zone imaging on it, so it's really cool. Uh, but it's got the cool like extra elastic like adjustable strap, so it makes it to where it doesn't fog up that bad and you still get covered properly. So that was the one I took to the show, and that was fine. I, you know, like I said, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but I'm sitting there going, man, I can't be knocked out for two weeks, even you know if I get it get over it, whatever, which the odds are good once again, but you know, I'm transitioning into a new job. I can't be put on the shelf for two right. years. Yeah. That's, that's, and congratulations that's on your new job, by the way. I don't know if we met, we were talking about that before not, we started recording. Yeah. yeah. No, no, thank you. It's a, uh, it's, it's very much a relief. I'm a, uh, I'm Zoloft Axel now. So yeah. right on, right on. So <laughs> I, I have two other things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but did you have any, any you wanted to talk before we leave Guns N' Roses completely? You mentioned. Oh, yeah. I was just going to do stuff. a quick. I mean, we're talking yeah. rock here. So uh, let's do it real quick. Absurd versus uh, hard school. Which one do you like better? 
I like hard school better. I, I will I will tell you this. I know absurd got a lot of heat in the in the press uh, or maybe not the press in the comment section on websites, but I, I don't mind it at all. I kind of I kind of yeah. think it's a fun listen. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, it, it maybe it's not a masterpiece, but it's I think it's good. But yeah, yeah I really like manic manic kind of Garden of Eden feel to it. With yeah. Their, you know, electronics on it. So. Yeah. And uh, I thought, um, yeah, I thought it was good, man. I thought, and I thought hard school was really good. I, and I think they really, I, I recognize both of these songs are leftover Chinese democracy songs, but they went in and they really made hard school sound like guns and roses and, and every little thing from the effect that Duff has on his bass it's the same effect if you go back to Use Your Illusion or even It's So Easy off of Appetite. You hear that bass sound and it's so easy. It's the same bass sound. And I guess I think that's like a little bit of they call that a coarse effect, which was very popular back in the yeah. in the 80s on on the bass. Maybe it's a, more of a flange thing. I'm not sure. But that's that's they didn't have to make that bass sound like that, but they did. And that's, I think a nod to, they are respecting their guns and roses sound and making an attempt to make it sound like guns and roses, you know? Well, I'm glad you said that. And I, it's definitely not anything that I'm trying to do to uh, make you feel bad, but everybody's been saying that. And so that's what I wanted to talk about actually uh, is I checked a few different like fanboy sites because uh, right. I wanted to know what the personnel was on these songs. Yeah, tell me. And, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of those cases where perception is reality. You think the old school song, okay, well, it's got to have more of the originals on there. Not the case. You're hearing Tommy Stinson on hard school. So Really? Are you sure about yeah. that? Well, I mean, like I said, this is according to a handful of the nerd blogs because there are no shortage of GNR nerd blogs out there. I can't so, believe that. They wouldn't, they would have had Duff re-record that. Well, according yeah. to what the nerds are saying, and I say that with respect, uh, they're claiming that the personnel on Absurd is more along the lines of what you're seeing on the road. So these are like, yes, it's from Chinese Democracy Sessions, but Slash and Duff apparently did go back in and play some parts for Absurd. But on Hard School, it's supposedly... Axel, Tommy Stenson, Josh Freeze, uh, and I, I think it's I think it's uh, Buckethead maybe on the guitar. I don't know. It's but I, I don't remember who the six string player is on this song. But I know everybody's saying it's Axel, Tommy Stenson, and Josh Freeze on Hard School, uh, and no no slash mention for Hard School. But it sounds like more of an old school Guns and Roses song, so that's why I say perception. All right, well, I got to go back and listen to it, and, and I find it I, I find it unbelievable that they would that they simply wouldn't have Duff re-record that. Now, well, if you are right, correct, I, I love I love Duff, so I hope yeah. you're right. And I, love I mean, Tommy it sounds too. like Duff, but I will say this: you know, I was friendly with Bumblefoot um, back when he was recording Chinese Democracy, and at one point, you know, Axel said, "I want you to." get some Les Pauls and go into the studio. And I loaned him my Les Paul, which is, he claims is on that record. Wow. Um, and he, there's a picture of him in the studio 
playing my, my Les Paul recording Chinese democracy. Oh, but, by uh, the way, real quick, I meant to say Bumblefoot, not Buckethead. Oh, but okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'd be curious to, I, I, that's a good question for him. Um, okay. Cause we're planning yeah. to maybe reconvene for an interview, but um, yeah, he said the direction was okay. Make it sound like guns and roses. So, you know, he, he, I think it's him, it, then. Yeah, well, we'll see. I just that really might be your last call on hard school that everybody's listening to. This it, could be. it could be, it that, could be, it could be fucking amazing. Yeah, uh, I gotta definitely do some research. There's very curious information there, Joey. Thanks for sharing, and uh, definitely want to dive into that and, and see what the yeah. what the scoop is. I, I find it unbelievable that they yeah. would release it without Duff simply re-recording those those bass lines and. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I mean, I think it's just uh, it could be just a matter of convenience. And be, since they didn't have anything to do with the writing on those songs and maybe they're just like, hey, you know, but supposedly hard school dates back to the very end of Duff and Slash's, you know, time in Guns N' Roses in the mid 90s. I yeah, I'll give a shout out to the Rock and Roll True Stories YouTube, which is I, I like it because the guy is definitely just not trying to make any money here. He's just like, I just want to do nerd facts. Uh, right. But he's a big well, Duff DNA. was in the band until what in the late 90s or yeah, 96, yeah, he lasted, he lasted longer than Slash, yeah. yeah. So, Duff, uh, according to the he played the audio, Duff went on Howard Stern in the mid 90s and they said, and this was the song that Hard School became, it was a song they were working on for a Jackie Chan movie in the mid 90s. Oh, uh, right, that's it, went it was called Jackie Chan for a while, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, the, the so Hard School is Jackie Chan, uh, and so yeah, it was a whole thing. And then they go into the thing about the fan that bought the Tom Zutat locker tapes and they go right. into that whole thing. But it, it was it was a good clip. So I wanted to shout out to that guy. But that's where I got that info from. So that that song is 25 years old. Uh, wow. but and like I said, Duff may have had a hand in the writing, but I don't think they made it as far as to maybe record that track with him. I don't know, but like I said, it it apparently is so deep into the Chinese democracy sessions that they maintained all the personnel for that. Like I said, but when I went back and listened to Absurd again after the first few times, I was like, that's definitely Slash and Duff. And then when I went and looked it up, enough people have confirmed that, yeah, that's Slash and Duff and Absurd, but it's not them on hard school. I just huh. thought that was really weird, but yeah, it's I, I, I'm not doubting it, but I am doubting it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. No, yeah. I don't blame yeah, you. I, I would love to hear some official confirmation on that one one way or the other um but yeah interesting info the very very curious info for sure and what else did we want to talk about um real quick i know we don't have a ton of time but you know it seems like every other day they're celebrating like the 30th anniversary of a big rock album right because 91 was a big year for releases and literally like the month of september they just dumped everything out which is weird because you would think summer would have been the thing, but no, they waited till the fall and then everything just changed. Uh, it was like towards the end of summer, we got the black album and then uh, super, not super unknown. God, good God. Sound bad garden, motor finger. Bad motor finger. Yeah, but that was October, usual, right? Uh, I, around there. Yeah. Usual illusions yeah. came out. Uh, and then of course, never mind 10, you know, all these records and blood sugar, sex magic. So like all these like game changing records. Yeah. What a year for music. No More Tears, yeah. Ozzy. No More Tears was yeah. the same day as a lot of those records, yeah. And that just came out with the 30th vinyl anniversary, so if you're a fan of that, go pick that up. Uh, but 
So the thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, Gun to Your Head, out of all those records we mentioned, Black Album, Nevermind, Blood Sugar, Illusions, all that stuff. Which, uh, which one do you still like the most out of all of those? And I, I'm assuming you probably like all of those. Yeah, much. if that's a tough question, because I really like all those records you just mentioned. But I don't know. For the two, for me, that really, really were like game changers and, and just so emotionally important, because that was such a transition time for me as an individual. And I think you know, a, a lot of us, you know, some of us moved into the nineties, other, other of us, others fought it, you know, and, and wanted, you know, the eighties to continue, even though it was so drastically changing. And this will be a good segue into how I want to end the podcast, but okay. um, I must say again, and all those records mean so much to me, but it's bad motor finger and 10 by Pearl jam that wow. without question, were the two uh, albums from that era that are most dear to my heart. And to this day, I just love those records. But I love, you know, Metallica, Ozzy, Chili Peppers, the Chili Peppers one. I mean, that was a that was a great record. I always felt like it suffered for being just a hair bit too long. Like I remember I'd listened to the first eight to nine tracks off of that. And I loved it. And then it just, it went on for a long time, you know, yeah, which it's, some like of these full, CDs. it's almost like 75 minutes or something. Yeah. I, I always felt like if they would have, if they would have brought that down to 60 minutes or something, that would have been just, that could have easily been one of my favorite records, but I, I felt like it just went on too long. I remember I'd always listen to the first six, seven, eight songs, and then I'd start it over. And I, I always had trouble with the way that album ended. Uh, without having it in front of me, I can't give you exact song names, but, um, but yeah, I would say 10 by Pearl jam and bad motor finger for sure. Yeah. How about you? Um, nowadays it's probably illusion one. I've been like, I, I did a a little, this will be a little spoiler, but this is our little speakeasy show. Uh, I enjoy one more than two, uh, two's got some killer stuff on it, but, uh, I think overall one has it. Uh, so I've been listening to that one the most out of all those other ones. So I'm just thinking about what I really listen to more. Although I got to put in a word black album I did. Uh, and this is, this almost pains me to say it, but I would recommend anybody if they've got like the Spotify and they've got it hooked up to maybe their stereo or right. a, a good, uh, if you have good headphones, they put out the remastered like enhanced version of the black album on Spotify. And I don't know what they did to get this kind of uh, sound, but man, it's good. It sounded amazing on there. If you, if you want a good, like refresh reassess of the black album, I mean, outside of spinning the vinyl that just came out because the remaster is good. uh, I, if you can't do that, put some headphones on or find a really good stereo and put the Spotify version of the black album on got it hate, i hate saying that but it sounds really good and it sounds like like this is your first listen again I, it sounds cliche but i'd say go that route if you haven't done it in a while. right on good tip so, good yeah. tip and kind of just to wrap things up here today joey you know we we mentioned 91 which to me was uh, just a, a amazing year in in music history in rock music history 
And I don't think we can downplay the role of MTV in that because Mm -hmm. it was such a different time and MTV, the power that they had for better or worse. And I could argue both, both ways of it. I started working at MTV in, in, in 1991. Oh, wow. And the power that that channel had, I mean, you hear, Oh, you know, people today, coolest place on earth to work is, you know, TikTok or Google or, or, you know, or, or Facebook. I really felt like that was at that time, one of the coolest places you could work was MTV. And I was fortunate enough to get a job there. But the power that that station had was unprecedented. I mean, FM radio at the time held nothing to the power of MTV. And and if anything, tended to maybe follow MTV's lead a little bit more in the 90s than they had been in the 80s. But they would make or break a band, you know, and it's like nowadays, you know, I don't think there's anything music wise that that has that influence over society. And were there other bands that were just as good as Pearl Jam or Faith No More? Maybe. But MTV didn't play them, you know, and and it was a really it was really the power that this small group of people had who approved those videos one Mm -hmm. way or the other was crazy. Really, because I mean, they 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 made careers, they broke careers, they smothered careers from ever happening. And there was a band out of New York City, which had some guys that I believe had come over from Ireland, and they were doing shows in Manhattan, but they were also quite popular in some of the Irish neighborhoods in a borough of New York City called the Bronx. And they were called Black 47. And mm. they got a little bit of airplay on one of the FM radio stations in New York. I think it was WNEW. Not much, you know, a couple times. But I happened to catch their song, this song called Funky K. Lee on WNEW. And we're going to play it. And it probably sounds dated nowadays because it, it is back in that time. I don't even know what the date of, of that was. It was probably like, right around that time, like 91-ish, 90. Um, and Rick Ocasek, who we know from the Cars, and he went on to be a, a great producer with bands like Weezer and, and other bands. I know he did religion, a, yeah, band. he did uh, Degeneration also out of New yeah. York City. But he produced Black 47. He did, their, he did their record. He worked with them on this song that you're going to hear. And what shot this band in the foot? They never, they re- never really made it. And, and the reason was, in my opinion, they put out this great song, Funky Kaylee was the single, and it should have been a hit, but it wasn't. And they did a video and they turned it into MTV. And in the song, he talks about how he's on MTV and that MTV is playing Black 47. And the people um, at MTV were so turned off, like, how dare you think we're going to embrace you? And how dare you name check us and say that you're on MTV? And they were so turned off by the fact that he was bold enough to just assume 
that his song produced by Rick Ocasek of the Cars was going to be this hit on MTV. And he sang yeah. about it that they decided not to pick up the video. And that right there killed Black um, 47. They went on to put out many albums, you know, as an independent band and sure. play the club scene. But they they never they never they never broke. Um, well, and this I, this this may have been I'm looking I'm trying I'm on Wikipedia trying to find out what year this came out. It could have been a couple of years after 91. I got to say, I understand the rationale behind why they did that, because it worked for fucking Dire Straits. It's not like Dire Straits was making it in the early 80s on MTV so much. But then they put out Money for Nothing, name checking MTV, putting them in the video. That was a big deal for them. That completely amped them up, you know, so. Maybe that was one of the rationales. Just yeah. Saying. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading on Wikipedia. It says, oh, they did receive some MTV airplay, but I was there during that time. I was working yeah. at MTV and I specifically remember this, this thing where the, the record label was pushing this band so hard to MTV and they were name checking MTV in the song. And basically MTV was like, F you, we're not playing. Gotcha. And, and, yeah. and that was, that just stifled this band that really had kind of a unique sound and, and could have done something. I mean, the, the, the music they're putting out, if you don't know black 47 and this song is something that you like, I, I really suggest go, go back and rediscover some of their work because obviously Rick Ocasek, a very talented producer, he, he did guide them well. And they had some great songs, man. They had some really fun stuff, but they just never went, anywhere and i specifically remember as an employee at mtv it was like how dare they freaking talk about mtv and you know in, in their song and assume we're gonna play them we're not gonna play them that was what happened with them and yeah. and they they got they got crushed despite what you might be reading online because again wikipedia seems to paint a different story that from my memory from somebody who worked at mtv and was a fan of this band is what happened with black 47 so yeah. again and we'll end with this song, Funky Kaylee. And real quick, just to close off an MTV 91 discussion, one of the Headbangers Ball episodes that I had saved on VHS that I watched for years and years, even after the fact, one of my favorite episodes ever, was the best of 1991 episode because it really just broke down everything that was great that I loved about that year. And it was like everybody, it seemed like everybody was there for a minute. You know, I... I, I was saying the other day, kind of making a joke, but also kind of being serious, like talking about the fact that Allison Chains was on tour with Van Halen in 1991 right. and they were getting along and they were pranking each other. And it was like the best of both worlds. And like, that's what that Headbangers Ball episode from 1991 was for me, because literally like they, they would play like it was like the early days of them breaking, you know, Ugly Kid Joe and they played infectious grooves and of course they were playing nirvana soundgarden metallica megadeth but like all these other things were in there and i loved that i mean it was everything from slayer to infectious grooves and you know like a fishbone and they would play that stuff and right that's really that symbolizes how cool that year was and i as an outsider and a fan and someone that had mtv on constantly at that time I can definitely tell in retrospect that 91 was the last cool, fun year in a sense. I think in 92 is when they 
kind of really got into themselves because 92 for as far as my perception goes it's like that was the year that the real world started and that was the year that they did the choose or lose thing and right or wrong those two things it was like okay we're bigger than music now like we're not even going to focus on it anymore at this point. And that worked for them financially for a while. And then it burned out and then it burned out and they turned their back on music. And I seriously believe that, you know, people are like, well, the internet and this and that all, all was a part of it. But I, I, I always wonder what would have happened if MTV stayed focused on the music? Because by the time we got to Jersey Shore and all that stuff, it was over. You know, they, they yeah, weren't oh, they weren't a music you. station anymore. Well, they yeah. didn't even and care about music. They created M2 to play videos. They had to right. create another channel to play videos all the time. And then they fucked that up. It's like, as a fan, I feel, and, uh, you know, you, I can leave this out if, you know, if you got friends of Viacom like, still. But no, it, no it one's seems there to anymore. Viacom created things to kill it. Like, they they made us fall in love with them and then they they just kept stabbing us in the heart again m2 they killed that uh the everything that was great about it gone vh1 classic everything great about that gone like they just turned it into the same bullshit channel over and over again with a different name they did the same right. thing to vh1 vh1 classic and that's just what it it seemed to do and it's i can't believe they created a whole other channel that they could just leave alone like an am radio station here's videos how do you screw that up? And yet they couldn't help themselves. Right. Well, it's all about the bottom line and then yeah. thinking they could make more money. And, you know, really, I, I hate to sound this way, but I think it's about greed at the end of the day. Well, really. yeah. But yeah. The, my last thing, and before I let you go, uh, they have a big presence on the Pluto app. on Pluto. I've television. noticed that. Yeah. And which is a great you- app, free app, guys, if you don't have it. Yeah, love Pluto. And you can, if you want to watch videos without, you know, without much interruption, there's a different decade channel on Pluto. You can watch 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Uh, My only complaint with those uh, that maybe it's just the time of day I turn it on. It's it's all soul and it seems like it's heavily soul and funk. I don't see a lot of rock. Yeah, which it's they 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 regulate the different hours of okay. program differently so it just yeah it does depend on what time you tune in i don't know if they have a set schedule i never got that far with them so yeah, far but the, yeah the bevo that. stuff they seem to be doing that but on the mtv side of things they probably have a dozen channels on there dedicated to whether it's animated shows like Beavis and butthead or the the reality stuff and, and all that but it it makes all the sense in the world to me why wouldn't they just turn on one channel on pluto that just makes it seem like I even said, like, make it the timeline for that day. Like, right. Um, this is this is what it was like today in 1981. And we're just going to play the day like with the old commercials. That'd be the shit. Like people would love that. And journey back in time. Yeah. yeah just like and they could. Hell, I mean, there's it's it's like satellite. There's open channels. You can pretty much have as many channels as you want. Right. So why not have like a different channel for every year? And Isn't I think Viacom, the MTV's owner, by the way, I think they recently bought Pluto, which makes oh, sense. Well, that yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. So I don't understand why it can't be like from like 81 to 91 or something, something fun like that, where they have 10 different channels and it's that day. Like every, they just repeat it every year. Like they just, and they wouldn't idea. even have to, they wouldn't even have to baby that. Anyway. Yeah. It's a great idea. I will say having, knowing their, them. their library <laughs> and stuff uh, and their archiving process, it would be 
a little bit tough to pull that off oh, technically. Dang. Yeah. It's, it's, they don't have just air checks of what went out over the air. They, I know this for a fact, but uh-huh. like even the, the headbangers ball stuff, it's, it's in pieces. They don't have oh, finished no. episodes. They have the host raps, Ricky's host raps, and then they have the music videos. So they'd have to go into an edit Cut room, and paste it, put it those yeah. together. And, and you're talking man, man hours and, and time and money. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, is it possible they, they could recreate a day in time? Yeah. But it would definitely take some, some time effort and money, right. which why not put, put some time, effort and money into yeah. it is what a I job, say. But, a job yeah. is created. <laughs> yeah. Like you, yeah. they can, they can give it to you. You can head it up, Mark, and you can pass it off to a few different people as well. Right on. I'll do it, man. And then a, a whole headbangers ball champ. Let's just, let's start with that first priority and then move on from there. Right. Okay. Well, it's an, <laughs> I got a phone call coming in. I'm going to sure, grab, sure. but right. uh, Joey, great talking with you. And as always, thank you. All right. Black 47. See you guys next time. Yeah. CNJ. Funky Kaylee. See ya. I was teaching out in Carysford. I was working in the bank. Two paychecks every Friday and a Mars Minor out in the back. But I was mad for jigs and reels, drinking dirty big pints of stout in the Bank of Ireland. The door hit your arse on the way out. Diddly 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 dee. I was born to play the funky killy. Over the seas, far away, off to America. Diddly 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 dee, where the wild wild women are waiting for me. It could be Friday whenever you see. But how could I be without me? Hockey, funky, Kaylee. I broke down and started to ball when I told her about me divorce in the bank. She said I got news of me on a store. I'm two months late, it's not with the rent. She said I'd have to be telling her.